This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. Welcome back to the Pages Dynasty Podcast. Yes, we're doing this again. 2004 season. We've done 01, 02, and 03 all the way through. And we are now doing 2004. And to celebrate, we decided uh, to bring, well, I decided to bring both the brothers back. Steve Brown, middle brother. How's it going? Andy, I appreciate you paying me to do this 2004 <laughs> season. That money hit my bank account. So let's go. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you didn't cost more because uh, <laughs> I don't think I can afford it. Uh, and also Greg Brown, baby brother. How's it going, Greg? I didn't get a paycheck. <laughs> that was all this. One. Yeah. <laughs> he pays uh, you in hugs and love, Greg. I pay Steve in dog treats for his new dogs. So don't worry about it. There you go. Um, but to really celebrate, we thought um, we would actually get somebody who knows what they're talking about on the podcast. And so this episode we have on... Uh, I don't know if infamous is the right word. Give me a good, give me a good descript- descriptor, boys. Oh, you boys are useless. All right, cool. <laughs> the uh, more famous than us. Uh, Patriots this is the writer. worst descriptor of all. Everybody's more famous than us. Only <laughs> <laughs> mom listens to us. Patriots writer Jeff Howe from uh, The Athletic. So, uh, Jeff, thanks for coming on. Yeah, not famous at all, though. So, thanks for having <laughs> me and the very nice words. <laughs> Yeah, no, I actually, I tried to to do my research and, uh, and like introduce you with all the stuff that you've done and all the stuff that you're doing. But for somebody who writes articles online, there's not much out there about you. Just how I like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I asked a whole bunch of people um, if they would give us some questions. So uh, the first question I told them that I would ask uh, and this only really works on paper, but we're going to do it anyway, because that's the kind of podcast we are. And it is, uh, Jeff, how's it going? <laughs> I've never heard that one before. That's that's good. It's going great. <laughs> it's, fan, it's fantastic. Oh, it's, I didn't say it was a good question. I just said these are the questions we got. So When he says he asked people, he just thought of him in his head, like the voices yeah. in the back of his head. Like, oh, I, no, I would take credit for that if I came up with it. I ain't that quick. Nice, Andy. But yeah, so um, so tell us a bit about yourself then, because I know you've been uh, covering the page since 2009, but how did you kind of get into that? Uh, well, I failed out of business school and uh, my father told me I had to make something of myself. So I somehow figured it out from there. I mean, I grew up in Lowell. Uh, I did fail out of business school at UNH. That took a, three semesters. Oh. For us to realize that we should mutually agree to part ways. Uh, I went back to Middlesex Community College, got into um, some journalism classes. I mean, I had like a little bit of a media background just from Lowell High. And it was something that I kind of wanted to get into. So uh, to make a very long story as short as possible, I, then I went to UMass. I did the student paper there, the Daily Collegian, and graduated from UMass in 06. Uh, worked a bunch of different jobs in and around Boston for about three years. And I reached out to Nesson 
in 2009, I was working at the Boston Metro, which no longer exists. It was, you know, for people who don't know, that was the free paper that was passed out on the trains. Oh, yeah. And I was I was so desperate to get out of there. I was just bypassed for a job that I deserved. Uh, but, I, you know, and I'm glad I didn't get. Uh, and so I reached out to Nesson and I was like, hey, you know, this was like when WEI and, you know, Comcast and we're just sort of like, you know, doing up their websites. Nesson.com's website was basically like, hey, the uh, the Red Sox are playing tonight at 7.05 on our station, like tune in. Like that was the extent of it. I was like, do you need somebody to cover the Celtics or the Red Sox? Like I've handled those things a couple times. You know, I, I kind of know my way around both buildings. And, you know, I've been to Gillette like a handful of times on like Wednesdays and covered a couple of Tom Brady press conferences. And the guy running the site was like, yeah, you know what? Why don't you do a Patriot story a week and we'll give you 25 bucks. And I was like, sure, whatever. <laughs> I remember the first story I wrote was after they traded Matt Castle and Mike Vrabel to the Chiefs for a okay. second round pick. Oh, yeah. And I wrote a $25 column. And it, I'm telling you, it probably wasn't even worth that. <laughs> so it was, uh, <laughs> I, I joke that Bill Belichick got his start in the NFL in 1975 making $25 a week. I got my start in the NFL in 2009, making $25 a week. So uh, just two birds of a feather there. Absolutely. But, you know, worked at Nesson. It was great. Uh, I learned a lot at Nesson. Uh, they started putting me on TV for who knows what reason. Uh, went to the Herald in 2012 when Ian Rappaport got hired by NFL Network. I was at the Herald for six awesome years. I mean, loved it. Absolutely loved my time at the Herald. Had no intentions in leaving. But, you know, the the, the Reaper started to come for, for everyone there. And at the same time, the Athletic was toying with the idea of coming to Boston. So I got, you know, very fortunate because this is this is the best job I've ever had. Other than like scooping ice cream in high school, which is <laughs> awesome. Uh, this working for the Athletic has been just amazing. They just they prioritize like the the things that that are great about journalism and you know taking your time to write a good story rather than rushing out something and then blogging three more things and then getting to you know start working on a notebook for something else. I mean, it's just like, Hey, take all the time you need to write something that you think is the best version of a story that you can put out there. And uh, it's just been great. So that's my long winded story. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how I got hooked on the athletic was I was missing all that long form, like deep dive writing about sports and you don't really get it many other places because it's now it just seems to be, who's getting there first as opposed to like who's actually getting it right or getting the details. Yeah. And, and that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I enjoyed doing that. And, and when I was at the Herald and again, I loved my time at the Herald. You won't hear me say a bad word about that place. Working with Karen was amazing. It was just every, it was just such a good group of people. Um, and I, I loved it. I can't stress that enough. But, you know, working on a main story every day, a notebook every single day, and then blogging everything that's happening. I mean, there's just there's so much going on compared to now when basically, you know, right now I'm going through feature stories of the rookie draft class. And there are other things going on with the team. There's, you know, a transaction or two every day. And for the most part, they haven't been major transactions. So my bosses aren't sitting here saying, Hey, write 300 words on this or put up something on that or whatever. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, 
every now and then there's player availability through a virtual press conference. But my boss is like, look, you got, you got features to write. Just worry about those. Do the best job you can with those. And that's why I, j- I take a lot of pride in writing these features and in telling these players stories the best way I possibly can because they're getting introduced to a new fan base and a new readership. And I want the people who are reading these stories to realize, to know that like when they come away from that, they're going to know just about everything possible about this, this player. If only we took pride in this podcast. <laughs> I do a lot of work on this. This podcast. is long yeah. for. <laughs> Maybe if me and Greg took pride yeah, in like this I was going to say, two of you don't do shit, yeah. but I put hours of work on this. <laughs> um, so do you, uh, it sounds like you actually have a lot of, unlike us, a lot of access to these these players over the years. Um, I guess two-part question. One, uh, how? <laughs> and is there a way for us to do that? Uh, and more seriously, uh, do you have any like good, like favorite players, favorite stories, that wait, sort of wait. stuff? This is a three-part question, Andy. Oh, <laughs> three-part question. What's the third part? Part three, do you know Troy Brown? And he's as awesome as we all know and love, right? I, I was told to bring a Troy Brown story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Good. Because of Steve. We'll get to that first. Uh, Troy Brown story. Um, it w- I was doing a story on Julian Edelman, a f- I don't know, a few years ago during a postseason, you know, r- probably like a playoff preview type of story. And it was, I was talking to Troy Brown, and Troy was telling me, it's 2009 training camp. So they had just drafted Edelman in the seventh round. And at that point, everybody, it's not the cliche. This guy was a college quarterback and now he's like a punt returner slash slot receiver. And everybody thought he was going to be the next coming of Wes Welker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, best case scenario. So Troy Brown is sitting there he just retired and he's at practice and, you know, he's not even close to getting into the coaching capacity yet. So he watches it and, you know, Edelman's running around like, you know, with his hair on fire, like he usually does. And, and Edelman was way, way, way more raw. I mean, he was, he was a legitimate project, a guy who right. needed to go through a lot of bumps and bruises and, and really fine tune his game for a number of years before he became the outstanding player that he was for his career. Troy Brown goes down to the field and, and seeks out Belichick or he seeks out. That was probably, you know, that's an <laughs> Extreme way to put it. When Troy Brown walks onto the field, he doesn't need to like go looking for Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah. Naturally, come together. But Troy says to Bill, "Hey, it looks like you found the next Welker." And Belichick goes, "No, I found the next you." Oh, and it was it's amazing because I want to say that it was like 2015 when Troy Brown, so maybe 2016, because it was probably like I'm thinking it was, it was the playoff story. It was probably after he like really made a name for himself. Uh, and the Super Bowl run against the Seahawks and all that. It was probably like a returning to the playoffs type of deal. Um, and he's it, it, he was so much more of a Troy Brown type of player than he ever was a Wes Welker type of player. Not that that's a bad thing or whatever, but it's mm. just – and Belichick knew it right away before Julian Edelman was anywhere close to becoming the Julian Edelman that we've all gotten to know. Um, to get to the first couple parts of the question – I don't know how you guys can get access. I mean, you can reach out to the Patriots. We don't care about the other players. We only yeah. care about the boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. There was there was the story of that guy who kind of held the sign out on Route 1 saying, you know, every single day, seeing if he can get some access to, to the team. And I don't think that worked out. So maybe you're going to need <laughs> Maybe you don't want to do that one either. Um, we'll yeah, the access, I mean, it's – 
it, over the, over the course of the years, I mean, I've been in the locker room since 2009 and during the season, it's three to five times a week, uh, 45 minutes every day and made a lot of relationships. The thing I, I really enjoy about covering this team is the, the quality of human beings that Belichick brings into the locker room. I mean, these guys more often than not, I mean, there, there's a lot of really good people who for, I'm not sitting here saying like, you know, they know everything about me. I know everything about them, but they will take the time to talk to you and they're not going to blow you off. And I've got friends who cover other teams and they'll be like, yeah, you know, there are, there are 20 good guys in the locker room and the rest of them, you know, they get angry every time they see me. Whereas in at Gillette, you know, with very, very few exceptions over the last 12 plus years, I mean, it's it's like 52, 53 guys on that roster who were just really good people to talk to. Um I've had I've had a good run with the linebackers. I mean, I've always had a good rapport with guys like Hightower, you know, even Brandon Spikes and Gerard Mayo and, you know, guys who, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's just Gronk was always great to deal with, Edelman. I mean, Brady to an extent, even though he's, he's just at a different caliber as to how available he always is. He was always very cordial. I mean, just a lot of good interactions with him. Um, what about the staff? What's that? What about the staff and the coaches? Mm. Uh, a little bit different. I mean, they're they're much more reserved. The thing with the players is it's in their contracts that they have to be in the locker room uh, every day during media oh, access. Right. And sometimes, you know, it's for 10 seconds. Sometimes those guys will hang around for a half hour or whatever. Uh, the the coaches, coaches don't have that same. No, the coaches don't have that. Basically, the coaches have to be available like Belichick has to be available every day, not every day, but like most days of the week. Mm -hmm. um, the, the coordinators have to be available once a week, the assistant coaches once a month. And it's it, because it's so rare to get that access. You, you're very rarely talking to these guys one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. there, there have been some, you know, good ones who have come by and have taken the time and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't know. I don't really want to get into names, but you know, I've gotten to know some of them on a personal level. Uh, but it's just, it's harder because you just don't have that face-to-face -face time with them as often. So like Belichick has that media reputation of being like ornery and just dry, but everyone here is the other side of it where he's super funny and witty. I don't know. Where do you fall on that? We still don't get the witty, funny side of it all that often. I mean, it's still different. I mean, he's, but I get it. What he is what his approach to the media is everything he says to us, he expects is going to filter into the locker room in some capacity. So when he's relaying these dry messages, I mean, they're not, it's not too far from the things that he's saying to the team. And like, for example, uh, the unpopular trades that he's made in the middle of the season. I mean, the Jamie Collins trade in 2016, yeah. um, you know, that was that was not a popular move in that locker room. I mean, really, really not a popular move. Shades of Lloyd Malloy. Even that they hated that. and Mike Vrabel trade. Yeah. Yeah. So he got to the the pot or the front of the meeting room the morning of that trade or the, whenever it happened to go down, and he got in front of the locker room and he said, We made a transaction, it was my decision, it's final, and it's time to move on. And then an hour later, whatever it is, he steps in front of the podium and he has his news conference with us. 
And, you know, everyone's asking questions and he's basically saying the same thing. Right. Because he's not going to tell us anything that he's not going to tell the team. Yeah, and there's yeah. obviously he's he's going to tell the team how they're going to game plan for the Bills. He's going to tell us or let's he's got an 0 16 team coming to town. He's going to tell the team they're the greatest team ever. He's going to tell us they're the greatest team yeah, ever. Exactly. You know, it's not the same rule, the same standard for every single story. But I think I wanted to get across like the point with like the Collins thing to sort of give you a glimpse into how and why he handles certain situations. Yeah. Were you there in person for the, uh, we're on to Cincinnati. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. How was that received by like the press? Cause like it's you said, people that in the so room. Yeah. Times. Yeah. I mean, it's again, this it's so, it's so different because I'm, I'm just used to it. Like I've been doing this for, for years at this over a decade. And at that point that was, that was 2014. So I'd been doing that for five years. I guess that was my sixth season. So he just, he didn't want to deal with, this was just after drafting Garoppolo. Brady didn't play well. Garoppolo came in, the team showed some life. I think he threw a touchdown pass to Gronk at the end of that Kansas city game or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he wasn't going to hear the the quarterback uh, controversy types of questions. And that was how he wanted to handle it. So clearly. So what do you do in that situation as, as somebody who has to ask him questions to find something to write about? Yeah. I, I mean, it's situation to situation. I mean, there are some times when you're, you, you got to put yourself out there. You got to ask a certain question. There are other times when you, you know, somebody else is going to do it. You know, sometimes. so do you know before you ask the question whether or not he's going to bite your head off Uh, that i mean part of that but it's like do i want to ask like some if you have a well thought out question Hmm. and this isn't like an off the cuff thing um like if you bring a question to the table that you've thought about and you've you know, whatever he's going to give you more often than not a well thought out answer. Hmm. Now, if you if you want to get into the hot take stuff, if you want to ask, I mean, if you want to just outright piss him off, like he's he's not going to take to that. And, and uh, you know, different coaches handle things differently. And there are certain certainly there are times when you wish that he was more forthright or forthcoming with his answers. But at the other side of it, it's like if somebody's asked the same question three different times, like, mm. what are you going to do? Like you want to sit there and ask it a fourth time, knowing that he's not going to like it. He's not going to give you a better answer. And then you're just starting to waste everybody's time. And then the other thing is like, if you just keep pissing them off with quite like, if you guys asked me the same question five times in a row here, I'd be like, all right, guys, you know, we've, we've had a good <laughs> night. I'm, I'm going to go take care of it. And that's, like there are just, there's got to be some tact to it from both sides. Yeah. So you got to be professionally respectful of each other's times. Those situations are hilarious when like a third person asking the same question and like hearing them try and rephrase the same question a different way is, is always peak comedy. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I've, I've sat there trying not to laugh in the middle of something. <laughs> is... But I mean, to quote an old saying that I've heard once or twice, it is what it is. We're on it next week. So I got a question speaking of like other media members in New England. So 
uh, I grew up in New Hampshire listening to 98.5 WEI. And then I moved to North Carolina and it was like shocking how differently the media here treats local sports teams than back in New England. So I, I think it's, it's, it's fair to say that the new, uh, the Boston sports talk media is like relatively like tough on their teams as far as like being critical. So specifically like Felger and Maz is a good example where it seems like they're almost at a point where they're like trolling you as far as like hating on the Patriots. Do you think that that's kind of like a tactic that they use as far as like, yeah, we get a lot of listeners because we know we rile them up. Or do you think those are their legitimate like opinions? Uh, that's a <laughs> tough question for me to answer. Um, Cause I don't, I don't want to do what the thing that pisses me off about those guys. I don't want to talk about their jobs. Yeah. Like the way that they talk about my job that pisses mm. me off. Uh, so I'm not going to answer like why, or, I mean, they have the number one rated show in the world, in the country, whatever they're, they're good at what they do. The ratings say they are, um, there are things that I wish they didn't do. I, I don't want them, you know, they don't need to be talking shit about what I do and the way I do my job. Uh, but I'm not going to be a hypocrite and sit here and say, you know, I'm not going to flip the, this and do that about them when they don't have a chance to sit here and defend themselves. So I'm going to respectfully pass on the rest of <laughs> yeah. you. But I mean, do you, you know what you, you said enough? <laughs> do you You're only feel like, yeah, <laughs> right. It's only mom. Listen, do you feel like there's, because from like an outsider's point of view, people, some, the type of person who like takes in all this media it feels like there's been for a long time an undercurrent of, I don't know if negativity is the right word, but just kind of like waiting for the teams to do badly. And kind of like for us growing up, it was always like eventually the sports media would be proven correctly eventually. You know, you, you got your Bill Buckners or your whatever. Um, basically, your Red Sox of every year up until 2004. Um, and the Patriots were also lumped into that. And so it felt like from the outside, there was this waiting for the other shoe to drop in a lot of the, the content that was written. And even when the team started getting success, it felt like a lot of the, maybe the older media members were, were kind of like hanging on to that a bit. And I don't know if you've seen that in like your interactions with like, other media members or like players kind of um, like recognizing that and, and not necessarily opening up to you as quickly, maybe. Uh, I, it's just, it's hard. I have such a different job because, you know, those guys, they, they have to have an opinion. You know, if you're on talk radio, yeah. you have to have an opinion. Whereas it's my job to just relay information. No, and sorry. sometimes I do it differently. Sometimes I'll do it in an entertaining way. Sometimes I'll do it in a column fashion. But ultimately, my goal is to just relay information. So I I just pride myself on being accurate, being credible. You know, my having my reputation is um just somebody that I just I want people to appreciate and respect my work. And I'm not ever gonna put something out there just to get attention. Um Whereas that's just, it's just totally di like an old school columnist um, for, you know, any of the big papers in the city, 
And I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want anybody to think I'm talking about them. Honestly. <laughs> Rob Borges. We'll do it. We'll do it for you. We'll do it for you. <laughs> but you know what their job is or was. And it's very similar to what it is on talk radio. I mean, that's just, I've got great friends in on radio in town. Um, I mean, I went to college with Mark Bertrand. I wrote a book with Zolak. So oh, yeah. I've got I've got that show monopolized there. I'm good there. <laughs> but like they they just their job is just so different. And sometimes when I come out and I bore them with just middle of the road facts with objective, you know, just being objective because that's Stuff what they I can't don't. do anything with, right? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Right. <laughs> but you know, sometimes I bore those guys and sometimes they take shots at me for it. And as long as it's playful, then or like I'm there to defend myself, I'm cool with that. Like yeah, that's yeah. that's totally fine. It's just um, but as opposed to it's just we just have such different jobs. So like who's are they rooting for negativity? I'm not gonna speak for them. Uh, all I can say is I just try to tell you what's happening and why it's happening. You know, if, if something's not working like the quarterback situation last year, I'm going to tell you why it's not happening or what they need to do from here. Like there was, there was a time last year when I wrote that, you know, through three games, Cam Newton was playing so well, what is he looking at for a contract extension? And I started comparing it. Like this guy was looking at a deal worth like 25 million annually after week three. Mm-hmm. And then, they became so one-dimensional and so easy to defend after that Rams game. I was like, all right, and now it's time to put in Stidham. Mm-hmm. But like neither of those things were me just saying, hey, you know what? I got to get myself some attention. It's just like, all right, the quarterback um, the quarterback topic is is the topic with this team right now. And so yeah. they find somebody to handle this thing for a long time. So how can you at least extrapolate on that and, and to push it forward after – you know, certain situations. So who's starting week one then? I think it's going to be Cam. Yeah, me too. I think, I mean, Belichick, with how strongly he said Cam was their quarterback the night that they drafted Mac Jones, I mean, I have to believe it will be. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Mac Jones has 0% chance or whatever. I mean, if I, I know that they do believe, the team does believe that, like he, he had his shortcomings last season. I mean, just look at the contract they gave him. I'm, just judge them by their actions. He, yeah. Cam Newton had accuracy issues. He had mechanical issues. Uh, they were very predictable in the, in the red zone. Now they went on a shopping spree this off season. They are well built to handle, or they are much more, much better equipped to throw the ball now just with the talent around them. And they want to see, if adding Johnu Smith and Hunter Henry and Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne uh, is going to have an impact on Cam Newton. And if, who knows how much of that, the COVID, uh, how much of that truly impacted? We don't know yet. We'll see if all of these things help Cam Newton become a better quarterback in training camp. The great thing that they have going for them right now, you know, last year they had, they had a two week training camp. And Jarrett Stidham was bad and then hurt by the end of the fourth practice. And at that point, Cam Newton had established himself as the number one guy. And he was good. Like Cam Newton was good enough in practice to have that. Now they're going to have a normal training camp. They're going to have three preseason games. They're going to have upwards of six weeks before the opener to figure out whether or not Cam Newton is going to be a better version of himself than he was last year. And if they find out over those six weeks that he's the same guy, despite all of the additions around him and Mac Jones comes in and plays well. And he, he, I'm not saying he's going to look like he did last year at Alabama, but if he's a facilitator of the offense, if he's accurate, if he, 
I mean, think about it. The way that they're built, they're built to throw the ball over the middle of the field. You have to be accurate. That's what Mac Jones does. If that accuracy starts to pop and Cam Newton doesn't progress the way that they hope, then Mac Jones, I think, has a very realistic chance to start. But those are two big ifs. So what's this book you wrote with Zolak? Oh, yes. Oh, you mean the one right there? There it is. There it is. Oh. Right yes. above the Mickey Ward glove. Uh, <laughs> yeah, If These Walls Could Talk. It was just a fun book that we did. Uh, just 25 kind of, years of Patriot stories between him showing up in Foxborough and mm-hmm. his overlap with me and the time that we've you know, covered the team in various capacities together. So it was so just how did the editing process work because can't Zolak not read? It's a coloring book. <laughs> <laughs> no, I read, I read the first half and I'm going to, I'm going to guess that um, the way it went down is somebody recorded Scott Zolak just talking for like <laughs> probably hours. And then, Jeff probably did the heavy lifting on the writing of the book. Yeah. No, what, what I like to tell people was we just alternated words. So I would just <laughs> one word and then Zoe would come in and he'd type the next word. And then we just, we alternated until we got to 80,000. And it was like, <laughs> we're actually, we're actually trying to write a book like that because we did a, um, <laughs> got nowhere. we did a review of uh, a Cam Newton themed erotic novel. And it was so badly written. We thought we can do better than that. So we're, we're alternating chapters um, without telling the other person what we're writing. So I, I'm writing the first chapter and I'm going to hand it off to one of the brothers and then... It's a Bill Belichick erotic. Well, we don't even know. We don't Maybe. know how, where it's going to end Who up. knows where it's going to go. Yeah. So you oh, I know go where it's going to go. Jeff, you're in. We can tag you in, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to end in graphic penetration, okay? <laughs> I know where it's going. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, well, there you go. At some point, I have to make sure I'm invited back to the locker room. So, <laughs> so maybe no one's maybe, gonna read this book. Yeah, we won't put your name on. It'll be fine. You're good, buddy. You can just. I'm not gonna tell you guys how to live your lives. <laughs> I gotta be able to. Yeah, so we're not even we invited have. to yeah. this the the uh, the locker room already. So I mean, no skin <laughs> off our back, right? I only go to. I only want to go to the locker room if Troy Brown's there. Yeah. Well, he's a, he's a coach, so yeah, he'll be there. That's right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're, we're gonna. I got, a, we'll I got another question about the media landscape. Oh, okay. So, I think with like the invention of like YouTube and basically, I mean, look at three random brothers can have a podcast. You've seen like the the old guard like media being like, okay, we need to be objective. We can't be fans, or we can't like mm-hmm. you know step over that line. But now you're seeing like more and more like, like the barstool guys, a lot of them are like openly fans of the teams that they cover. And you're like, you know, go to YouTube and it's all like fan journalism, pseudo kind of thing. Where do you, what do you think as far as like where that's heading? And do you ever like struggle with that yourself as far as like, okay, I have to remain objective, even though I grew up in Lowell and, you know. No, I mean, believe it or not, like the, that, that fades really quickly. Um, because, you know, I'm there to do a job and I'm not going to do it well if I'm a fan. It's just, that's not going to happen. Now, I can't hide the fact that, you know, I have family members who are season ticket holders and, uh, you know, um, like this, my daughters are growing up in, in the area. Like they're going to 
like the Patriots. Like there's, there are parts of your life that you just can't, like, I can't erase the fact that I grew up in Lowell and, and, you know, the fact that who I grew up sharing for, but once I get it, once you get into it, it really is pretty easy to push that stuff aside. Um, in, I mean, 2009, like the whole media landscape changed with just the way that the websites were, you didn't need to be a traditional media outlet. I mean, again, WEI.com really blew up in like, I think it was 2008 and Comcast.com or whatever they were at the time, Comcast, New England, whatever, whatever that they were branded at that point, you know, they were starting to blow up and Nesson.com was just a little bit behind them, but then they started to, to move. So the, the traditional media landscape changed big time around that, like really right when I started, I got my first break and you like at the same time, there was, I mean, there was no Twitter at, at that point. I don't think, right. I mean, I know I started Twitter in 2009, but it was probably after I started covering the Patriots and there was like, here's another random story. I broke, believe it or not, I, I broke the story that Ovechkin signed his like, I don't know, 13 year, $125 million contract with the Capitals back in, I want to say 2008. And I put it on the Metro's website, which I mean, my mom maybe read like, no, I, I was calling people being like, can you, we understand? We know that Can you guys get this onto like the news tonight. Cause like, I just broke this massive story, but like the tree fell in the woods and there is nobody within miles to hear it hit the ground. Um, how did you get the, how'd you get the info? I had a very well-placed source. Uh, so <laughs> it works, it worked out. Um, but I, I didn't cover hockey. So. <laughs> Um, I will say I live in DC and the sports media here is also very negative mm -hmm. for the Redskins, but rightfully so. Yeah. yeah. Deservedly. Mm -hmm. Deservedly so. You can't. A, but, but to Barstool, like they do things their own way and they do a great job of it. Like it makes it in a different sort of comparison. Like, do you remember when Bill Simmons was the Boston sports guy? And, oh yeah. When when he was going in the early two thousands, I mean, he was a blast to read. That's you know, true. He probably set that that yeah. standard there. Yeah. He did. But in every kid, I mean, when I got to the student paper at UMass, it I had great mentors there, and these guys were like, they they said it to me. They said it with every new kid there. You are not going to try to write like Bill Simmons. Like <laughs> Bill Simmons is great at or Boston sports guy is great at what he does because he's funny. He knows how to write. He knows how to tell stories and he knows how to do it in a way that keeps people engaged for thousands of words at a time. You are a slappy, you know, 19, 20 year old college kid. You can't write worth a damn. You're not nearly as funny as you think you are. And it takes me four hours to edit your crap that you hand in every night to stick to covering the lacrosse game. So Someone needs to tell Greg that. <laughs> so it was like, people can try to replicate the barstool stuff, but they're not going to be as funny. They're not going to be as innovative. Like those Portnoy is, is a millionaire because he does what nobody else can do as good as him. And you know, people who try will more likely than not fail. So like, I've always just taken it, like, think about what you're good at, focus on that stuff. Don't try to be who you're not Write Whatever, you know, say whatever you feel, write whatever you feel. Don't try to like have a personality that isn't yours. You know, when I'm on with Toucher and Rich, 
Like, I don't know. I, I think I'm like, I have some dry humor. I might sneak in here from time to time or whatever. Yeah. Those guys are like way funnier than me. So I'm not going to go on Toucher and Rich and try to match those guys joke for joke and make an ass out of myself. So I just like stay in my own lane. I just, you know, be who you are. Yeah. And, and don't try to force it because when you start forcing stuff, you get exposed way too quickly, especially so say we should keep doing this podcast where we rewatch every single <laughs> Patriots game. It's what we're going to start to finish <laughs> all 286 and spend yeah. 90 minutes talking about each one. It's like 300. That's what you guys can do. And nobody else can do it the nobody way else, you nobody else has this sort of fortitude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us the truth. When you heard that, you were like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> no, I, I like the idea. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> Execution wise. Yeah. I mean, Hey, it's, it's a, it's a cool idea. It's, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's a really cool idea to go back and, and look at all this stuff because Think of how many people have watched 95% of Patriots games that every Patriots game over the last two decades. Yeah. And, I mean, I know I have, yeah. but how I, many do you remember from yeah, the 04 season? Yeah. I can't remember 95% of the games. Even this first game of the 04 season was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting what you do remember and what you don't remember. Yeah. That's been like, there's odd things that are like clear as day. Remember at like multiple plays from this game and the other games like not a clue. Couldn't even oh, tell yeah. the score. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think if I went through the box score of that season opener in 2004, I'm sure things would start to come back to me. But I think that was, you know, what the, I want to say, I might even be thinking of the, the, oh, the banner raising against the Raiders more than, you know, the, the Brady Manning season opener than anything. So it's, mm. and those things start to run together. Yeah. So. That'd be fun though to kind of sit back and rewatch all those games from 15 plus years ago. The yeah, TV quality gets better the longer you watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's finding games that you can actually make out who the players are. Yeah, I mean, I talked to, I love doing stories like oral histories of of games that happened 15 years ago, whatever, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and I'll talk to guys who played in those games, and they'll, you know, some of them are like, "Yeah, I, I don't remember what happened." Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, that's. <laughs> It's a fun exercise. It's got to be a fun exercise. Yeah, no, it has been so far. Yeah, the good games are awesome. But then like the slogs against Buffalo in December and you're like, oh, why am I watching? You don't even watch them. (laughs) Exactly why. It's the 9-6 Browns game that almost burns me. (laughs) Even even like now, like when they were, you know, a juggernaut and in the middle of winning three Super Bowls and in five years or whatever, um, you know, recently mm. show up at, on the road in Buffalo, no, a Jets game or whatever, and the Jets wouldn't be good, and it'd be a one o'clock game. Yeah. And you're, you're I'm going to the stadium, like, this is just going to be a boring, like, 35 to 10 game. Yeah. But I'll write my Never game. Never in Yep. I'll be, out of, I'll be out of the building by six or something like that. It's yeah. just, Yeah. We well, there's always like some of those gems that you like remembered it at the time. Like there was one Jets game that ended with like a huge brawl that I think Matt Light started. Yeah. Um, off of a, I think it was a Geno Smith interception or something to end it. And I'm like, I, I don't even remember this game. This is amazing. How do I, how did I forget that this game ended in a brawl? 
And so that was actually what got me to start this podcast was like, we need to go back and watch some of these games. Because what else have I forgotten? And yeah, that is, yeah. it's a shit ton. <laughs> <laughs> and then you rewatch them and forget them again. Oh, yeah. But we can yeah. always re-listen to our podcast and remember mm-hmm. it again. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> the Cliff's Notes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, they're long, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we should probably let you go because I know you have other stuff to do. You're on to uh, bigger and better than this, but... Um, before you go, we ask everybody this. Uh, who is your favorite Patriot? Uh, All time. And uh, why is it Troy Brown? I don't know. It's hard for me to say I have a favorite Patriot just because, again, it gets to the job aspect of it. I mean, like, yeah, growing up there as a fan and stuff like that. But like, I don't want to put myself out there and be like, yeah, you know, because I've gotten to know some of those guys, like even guys that I didn't cover, like had been long been retired or whatever. I think recently I've stuck and this isn't like a favorite or whatever. A recent calling of mine has been to figure out why the hell Stanley Morgan isn't in the Hall of Fame. Mm. I I think I've gone on more than my share of social media rants over over that topic in the last (laughs) couple months. Um, so, I mean, if I have to give a shout out to an old school Patriot, I'm going to go with Stanley Morgan because All that right. guy yeah. Hall of Fame, his numbers in his yeah. first six seasons are absolutely absurd. <laughs> They're, They're better than some guys who are in the Hall of Fame who played in the same era. I mean, 20, 20 plus yards a catch for six consecutive seasons to start his That's career. Insane. Second fastest guy to 10,000 yards. And he did it for bad teams. I mean, oh, yeah. Like who was throwing on the football? Right. I mean, Grogan was great, but for parts of that, he was hurt uh, for large parts of that. So mm-hmm. it's uh Stanley Morgan should be in the hall of fame and I will not rest until it happens. <laughs> That's why I wanted to have you on here, Jeff. <laughs> You're a Stanley Morgan hall of fame. Rant. That's what I like to fucking listen Fuck to. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's that long. I'm expecting that one. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Also, um, in honor of having Jeff on, we've decided that uh, we're going to give away uh, a year subscription to The Athletic, to a listener. Um, so I think, what do we land on? We landed on, if you, you got to leave a review of the podcast, uh, doesn't have to be good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we understand we're human. Uh, but yeah, so just leave a review anywhere, iTunes or Podchase or whatever app you use, and then text the, the Dynasty hotline to let us know that it's you, and we're going to pick one at random. Uh, and if you don't text us, we won't know because they don't actually tell you who leaves these reviews. So you got to leave a review, and then you got to text the hotline. Steve, what's the number? 603. Yeah. 505. Yeah. Troy Brown for three. That's right. 6043. 603 505 So I, I appreciate you guys doing that. Absolutely. Supporting the athletic. And, and I hope whoever gets that free subscription like truly enjoys it. I mean, I can't say I I love the work that they let us do at the athletic. Yeah, it's so good. And we do everything we can to make sure like we understand especially like it's a little easier now than it was three years ago when i joined the company and you know the thought of paying a subscription fee for 
for online content, you know, it, it was, it was not common whatsoever three years no. ago. No, it wasn't. And it, it's tough to, to get people to, I mean, I, I know what it was like, you know, downloading free music 20 years ago and now having to pay for like, I get it. It's <laughs> I had naps. I know. Right. Lime so wire, baby. Lime wire. I, I work my ass off. I know everybody else at the company does to make sure that when you are, you know, putting a few bucks a month into our products, we want to make sure that you not only enjoy it, but like you are willing to keep coming back. Um, <clears throat> so everything I write for the most part, I should, so almost everything I write is I aim to have unique content. I try to give my access to the readers as much as possible. Like I know that people are paying money to read our stuff and we want to make it worth it. So thank you again for, for supporting it. And again, yeah, to whoever gets the subscription, I hope you can see the work and the effort that we put into this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody listening to this podcast where we're going way deep on a Patriots game. From it, it, yeah. It's tailor made for the like, like the yeah. athletic, yeah. Love the athletic <laughs> content for sure. Yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Because it, it's like what we're doing, but like for stuff that's happening now. Oh no. I was going to say actually good. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> Doesn't have Greg in it. <laughs> yeah. But we're doing. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. All right. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Thanks, thanks for coming on, bud. We'll talk right, to you we'll soon. Take care. See you later. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> All right. I think it's going to be tough to follow that. With I like Jeff. Yeah, he's a good super dude. Chill. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but he didn't shit on Colby. Damn it. Oh, uh, yeah. So, Colby, if you're listening, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Get out of his driveway. Yeah, right. What the fuck, you fucking stuff. Don't you have your own house, buddy. Jesus, right? Oh, but he's my neighbor. I can look through his windows. It's cool. It's not. It's not Colby. Fucking knock it off. <laughs> Put the binoculars down, Colby. <laughs> All right. So, speaking of football, there was some football that happened back in 2004, and uh, I think we should probably talk about it, Steve. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was nice. It was like a uh, rematch. Yeah. AFC Championship. Everyone remembers that AFC Championship game. No one remembers a rematch week one season opener. So the only reason I remember this game was because Madden, that year's Madden had just come out, like not too far before it. And I had just played this game in Madden and it came down to a last second field goal. And I was like, this is so realistic, which back in 2004, I don't think it was, but it sure felt it. Did you hit a fucking duck squib kick wide right? No, I hit the game winner without a military because he doesn't yeah. miss. Um, but the controller was vibrating as like a heartbeat yeah, because yeah. it was clutch. I knew that year too. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so fucking, my adrenaline's racing. And it was great. And it was probably, as we've talked about before, on Rookie because I like to beat the piss out of things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Still came down a lot. Wait, 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 wait. How did it come down to a last minute field goal? If yeah, it's the Colts, man. It's fucking Peyton Manning. And it's the first game I ever played on on that men. You know, it happens. What's that? That may have been the year with the fucking, like, the vision cone and shit. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm not a big Madden guy. I'm terrible at video games. Yeah, I know. That's why I played on easy, Steve. Who was favored in this game? So the New England Patriots favored by three, which basically means it was a push because you got three points of playing at home. Right. So it was even. 
Because um, I feel like this is back when the Patriots were still underrated because Madden is in there talking about how he thinks Brady is better than people give him credit for. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm back to being a Madden stan. I love the yeah, dude. I've been yeah. a Madden guy. That's what I mean. But like, since we started this podcast, yes, I'm all in on on John Madden. I should wrote that down. I'm all in. I love early 2000s John dude, Madden. I love him. So good. Yeah, his quote was to me: Tom Brady is one of the best quarterbacks in all of football. Week one, two thousand four. You can yes. already see; he already knows. It's like this guy, and he's he's like he's made those comments before about him joking about you know him giving Brady shit in that Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. yeah, calling it completely wrong on that on that last drive. He's like, I have another. I would have, but not with Tom Brady anymore. I'm never going to say that about him. Here's another quote: Madden quote: A fumble is a fumble is a fumble. <laughs> and you know what? I can't agree with that more. No, yeah. Everyone's getting way too, you know. Yeah, because he was like, out of hand. It, like that. You look at it at live speed. That's a fumble. Yeah. And then like, oh, it's super duper 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 slow. Like, oh, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Oh, was was his like, elbow touching that blade of grass before the ball started to yeah. slightly move for one frame? Yeah, Madden hates that. Enhance. Yeah, and I yeah, I think he had a point because if you look at the game now. It's gotten a little out of hand with all the reviews it of slows you know, it down. Oh my god! And year two of instant replay. I mean, I guess we're we're just going straight in on the the commentators. But John Madden also said that the um, because this is the first game of the new um, uh, what am I trying to say? The the new emphasis on the um, oh yes, touching yeah. the wide receivers of defensive holding and whatever, the which they called the good. Five times in this game. Yeah. Best part was though, the first time they called it this season on the Colts. <laughs> but that's like the only time they call it on the Colts. Yeah. But but Madden said uh that the Colts holding claims for last year's AFC championship team were over or championship game was over exaggerated. Yeah. Like they weren't. They were fine. Madden was on team, fuck those receivers up. Yeah, I mean, as he should be. <laughs> Let's talk about the new guys. I was gonna say before we get into the game, let's let's talk a bit about the off season because this off season was the kind greatest all timer history. Yeah, yeah, I I think you could probably make until until the past off season, the twenty twenty one. No, that's fair. Uh, two thousand seven, pre two thousand seven too, with the Welker and the Moss. <sighs> yeah, that's pretty dope too. But this yeah. one, yeah, talk to me, talk to me about because the Patriots came in, they had basically. One weakness, right? And that was no running game. And also, I think if you had a second weakness, it would be the the, the, the defensive line and not being able to stop the run. Yeah. Right? So what do the pages do, Steve? Well, we got we had two first round picks, right? Right. So oh that's the other thing. Wow. Yeah. So we had wow. uh we are because we had our own first round pick, which was 32, obviously, because you know right. fuck which was champs. Ben Watson. Yeah, but we also had number 21, which we got from Baltimore the year before. I think Baltimore traded up into the first, so they traded for the New England first-round pick. Um, and then they gave us their first-round pick in 2004 as well. Which, VW. Yeah, was only Vince Wilfork. No oh, big man. deal. One of the greatest picks of the Patriots all time. Yes. Just from not only a like production, but also a personality standpoint. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Ability. And just like a great human being. Oh, yeah. He was amazing. What did they trade for Corey Dillon? Uh, it wasn't a lot. Yeah, it was. I, hmm. I won't say it's a second round pick, 
Yeah. Second round and like something else, I think. But yeah. It and he was, I mean, he was already like one of the best backs in the league by far. Right? He Everyone was. He was awesome, but he's just, this is pre uh, Marvin Lewis or Marvin Lewis got hired the year before maybe. Yeah. And before uh, Carson Palmer, he must've come next year or this year. He's, is pre the Bengals actually becoming mediocre where they're mediocre forever. Yeah, so Corey Dillon was Cincinnati from 97 to 2003. And let's see. Six years? Cincinnati, let's just go through there. there. Uh, So from 97, they were 7 and 9, and then 3 and 13, 4 and 12, 4 and 12, 6 and 10, 2 and 14, and then 2003, they were 8 and 8. And that 8 and 8 was the first year with Marvin Lewis. But let's see the quarterbacks. Uh, Jeff Blake, Neil O'Donnell at the end of his career. Jeff Blake again. Uh, is this Achilles Smith? And then John Kitna. Tough. Yeah. And all he did was run for, uh, let's see, uh, 1,100, 1,100, 1,200, 1,400, 1,300, 1,300. <laughs> and then in 2003, he ran for 541, and then he got injured. But there was some bad blood at the end of that yeah. 2003, like the end of the run with the Bengals, which is why Patriots got him for cheap because he was, you know, quote unquote, malcontent. And I was trying to find the quote, but I couldn't really find it anywhere. There's just like mentions of it. But apparently, and they, they mentioned it, the commentators mentioned it in this game where the Bengals offensive line basically told Corey Dillon, we don't want to block for you. We'll want to block for somebody else. Yeah. Which is crazy if the, he puts up That's all that nuts. production. Right. That's tough. On like two and 14 teams. Yeah. And he's fucking like he is the offense. We we saw them in 2001. That was the first game we watched. Remember? Yeah. And he crushed us. And he just, it was just the Corey Dillon show. I think it was Achilles Smith back then. And Achilles Smith didn't do shit because all you had to do was hand it off to Corey Dillon and watch him run for in four or five yards a game. Four or five yeah, don't listen to that episode. That's a terrible episode of this podcast. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't start, I wouldn't start with that. I wouldn't go back and listen to that one. But yeah. Well, I like the start for the Patriots in this game because they get Corey Dillon, who's by far of those names we listed, everyone else in retrospect, Vince Wilfork is sick. Yeah. But you know, back then he's a rookie. It's first right. team, right? Yeah. Corey shiny Dillon, new toy on offense. Yeah. So they come out two tight ends and spread the field and don't even put Corey Dillon out there and just throw the shit out of the ball. Yeah. They, they started the game, uh, no huddle, five wide. Drove immediately down the field, throwing at every play. Two tight ends. It was like six of eight or something. That's that's what Belichick, that's what his like, his blankie is, you know, the two tight ends set wide. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which he would perfect in like 2011. Yeah. For those but And it looks like he's trying to do again. I mean, he's been doing that two tight end set for, I think, longer than we know. I think he tried to do it in um, Cleveland as well. Yeah, let's just do a whole do a, a Cleveland Browns podcast where we watch every Cleveland game. We'll find out. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to find those games. I think they've been burned, the, the tape of them. <laughs> no, nobody saved those. <laughs> Ain't nobody trying to watch that again. No, I don't think so. Um yeah, so uh, b- but before we get in the game, I just want to touch on the draft a little bit too, because this draft was bananas. Uh, the 2004, this was uh, well known for the first two picks, 
which was the Chargers drafting Eli Manning number one, and then Eli being like, I ain't playing for you. So then the Chargers traded Eli Manning to Giants, who had the fourth pick for Phillip Rivers, which fucking ridiculous. But also, other records were set where the most wide receivers were selected in the first round with seven. Just a lot of fucking wide receivers in the first round, which you never see anymore. Yeah. They have like two this year. It's like a quarter almost. Right. And uh, the most trades in the first round ever with 28. There were 28 trades. Like this first round was an absolute shit show. Did the Patriots trade at all? No. I mean, technically they they got the trade for Baltimore. So that counts. But like 28 (laughs) trades involved in that first round. Where was Roethlisberger picked? Because he's the same draft class. That's a good question. He was pretty um, early, I feel. Wasn't he like three? Um, let's see. Roethlisberger, no. He was picked at 11. Wow. List them off. Let's, let's hear the... Uh... All right, so I'm just going to give you the players that uh, made a Pro Bowl. Um, Eli Manning, number one, obviously. Uh, pick number three, Arizona Cardinals, Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, good pick. And then Philip Rivers, who swapped. Uh, right. Pick number five, Washington Redskins, Sean Taylor. Uh-huh. Kellen Winslow the second, Roy Williams, D'Angelo Hall, Ben Roethlisberger, Jonathan Vilma, Chicago Bears defensive tackle Tommy Harris, Eagles guard Sean Andrews, Saints defensive end Will Smith, number 21, Vince Wilfork, nose tackle, Miami, the U. Rams picked Steven Jackson at 24. Texans picked Jason Babin, offensive end, at 27. Benjamin Watson never went to a Pro Bowl. Never went to a Pro Bowl. Uh, that makes sense. He's not, he was always solid, but never spectacular. Yeah. Colts picked at number 44 in the second round, Bob Sanders. A pretty solid oh. draft. However, I have a friend. Uh, wait, wait, wait. My... You just listed a bunch of people. You said seven wide receivers are drafted. Only Fitzy made the problem yeah sheesh here i'll give you some other names uh jags picked reggie williams bills <laughs> buffalo bills legend lee evans he's okay bucks picked michael clayton who is yeah. i remember his name bills also picked jp lossman uh let's see michael jenkins for the falcons rashawn woods for the niners Dude, none of those the Bills must have come out of that draft field pretty tits. They were. Yeah, they're like, our offense fixed. Evans. Fixed the offense. <laughs> What's next? Uh, but yeah, so um, I, have a, I have a friend who's almost as big a nerd as we are, or I am, I guess. Yeah, don't want me in with football. you. And he put together uh, all the players who are still left in drafts since Tom Brady got drafted. So Brady got drafted in 2000, right? So he's obviously right. the last person left. In the 2000 draft. Uh, nobody left in 2001 drafts now that Drew Brees retired. Nobody left in 2002 drafts since Josh McCown retired two years ago. Nobody left in 2003 since Jason Witt retired uh, this year. Again, I think. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Uh, from 2004, there are three players left. One of them is Andy Lee, the punter. Can you name the other two? Fitzy. Yeah. Roethlisberger. That's right. Although Larry Fitzgerald, not technically currently on a team right now. He so, doesn't have a team right so now. So it might be down to two. And then 2005, Aaron Rodgers, Mike Nugent, Frank Gore, Richie Incognito, 
Dan Colquitt and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So Brady might outlast one, two, three, four, five. That's definitely full drafts. Yeah, a lot of those guys are ready to hang it up. That's insane. So yeah. shout out to Brian from Pat's chat for putting that together because that's fucking crazy shit. But yes, all right. So that was a draft. Batshit crazy. Uh, and this Colts team is one of because I th- I think like you always see a lot of people talking about the uh, premier offense of the day. Everybody's like, oh, Patrick Mahomes is the second best quarterback ever behind Tom Brady. And I think people forget about how terrifying Peyton Manning was as a quarterback. Do you think Mahomes is supplanted? Man, I don't know. Manning, uh, not yet. That's what I'm saying. But people are like, oh, I mean, it's 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 Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes, the only people you hear about. And I think people I forget. Well, because they're also playing Andy. I, I no, I agree. But like this, especially like this, like 2004 is kind well, of the team was so stacked. I well, mean, the receivers thing. are good through five. Brandon Stokely was like their fifth receiver, right? Something like that, yeah. And Brandon Stokely is a household name. Everyone knows who he is. So when I was doing the research on this, I found that uh, this season, the Colts had three wide receivers over 1,000 receiving yards. Three. Mm. I'm like, I mean, that's, that's I mean, of... yeah, if you throw 4,000 yards in a season, you're doing good as a quarterback. Right. And he's thrown three just to wide receivers. So uh, Harrison, whereas... Reggie Wayne. Yeah. Who's the third? Brandon Stokely. Stokely? Yeah. Dallas Clark Stokely. is on that team. Yeah. Uh, who was their other receiver? They had another good receiver. I mean, that was kind of it, really. Is that it? Yeah. Um, but so I'm like, how many times has this happened? Like teams having three players get over a thousand receiving yards in one year. And since 2000, as far back as I went, cause you know, fuck it. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Right. And uh, I did it like regular season and playoffs just cause otherwise it would be two times. Um, this 2004 Colts was the one, one of the two teams that did it in the regular season. So all three guys had over a thousand yards going into the playoffs, which is insane. Um, before that, it was the 2002 Raiders, which was Jim Brown, Jerry Rice, and Charlie Garner, the running back. What? <laughs> right. At a thousand seventy three yards. Um, 2004 Colts, 2008 Cardinals. This is insane. This is this is the Cardinals team that I think went to the Super Bowl, right? With yeah, like Kurt Warner at, at the helm, I think. Who again, another quarterback who I don't think gets his due. But That's listen true. to these numbers. Um, Larry Fitzgerald. No, actually, no. We'll start at the bottom. Uh, Bolden had. Oh, sorry, that's not the name. Uh, what's his name? Steve Breston, I think it was. 1,154 yards. Um, Bolden had 1,228 yards. Larry Fitzgerald, 1,977 yards. Yeah. Dude almost had 2,000 yards, and two other guys had 1,000 as well. That's incredible. Are you fucking kidding me? What's the receiver record for yards in a season? I don't know. It's got to be up there, though. 
Has anyone broke two thousand? I feel like two thousand uh, hours receiving is gonna be like would be like a huge. I mile. feel like somebody. I I feel like Megatron did it. Um. Oh yeah, you might be right. Greg, stat check. Yes. <laughs> so we'd stat check this. Uh, no. In regular season, no uh, Calvin Johnson had 1,967. And then Julio Jones is second with 1,871. And then Jerry Rice, 1,848. That's crazy to have one guy in your team who's like top five all-time receiving yards. Yeah. I mean, that, that's including and the playoffs, too. And then 200,000-yard guys, too. Yeah. No, not even two other two two other eleven hundred yard guys. Right. Yeah, eleven and twelve hundred yards. I mean, they're just cracking it. Some other interesting notes here. Then it was uh, the 09 Colts with Garcon, Wayne, and Dallas Clark, the tight end. Two thousand eleven Patriots. It was Wes Welker and two tight ends. <laughs> All three of those had over a thousand yards. Um, Twenty twelve Falcons, Gonzalez, Jones, and White. Uh, Twenty fourteen Patriots. LaFell, Edelman, Gronkowski. LaFell had 1,000 yards? Uh, if you include playoffs, yes. Same with uh, the 2017 Patriots with Gronkowski, Cooks, and Amendola. Amendola had 1,007 yards, uh, but that season, I think he actually ended the regular season with like 600-something yards and then had 300 yards in the playoffs mm-hmm. to, to get over the hump. It was bananas. But I mean, I think it yeah. is just philosophically bullshit that they don't count playoff stats and that's that sort of stuff. I agree, which is why I count them every fucking time. Yeah, because like, oh well, you know, not everyone goes to play. Well, no shit. Yeah. So this is a this is a, a Colts Manning team that's gonna put up fucking yards. Yeah. Um. And they kind of did it in this game, just like they have the last two times we've watched them. Forty-five hundred yards from Peyton. Yeah. Forty-nine touchdowns. Which is the record until Brady breaks it, right? Right. And then Manning breaks it again. And Brady will probably break it this year. With Denver. All I remember is Tom Brady's 50. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the 50th in style, too. He also threw 10 interceptions. What a pussy. (laughs) Who throws interceptions? All right. So talk to me about this game. I think we've been dancing around long enough. Give it a Lombardi score. Hmm. Out of six, I would say a solid four. Season yeah. opener against the – it's a rematch of the AFC Championship game again, just like it was in 2002 against the Steelers. Um, back and forth game, a lot, uh, lot of new faces that are going to be playing a big part. You get to see Corey Dillon, who is – and also Vince Wilfork, you could say this about him too, surprisingly mm-hmm. loud on his feet for how big they are. He chased down that running back in that play. It was yeah. sweet. Those boys can dance though. Like Corey Dillon had one run where he like he juked two guys out of out of their shoes and then lowered his shoulder, ran over the third guy. God, I didn't know he could juke too. That's almost unfair. I no injuries. Four in an AC championship game. This game is one of those sneaky great watches. Yeah, exactly. Kind of respect because it's a rematch of that AC championship game, so there's a ton of hype around it, and it lived up. Came it down did. to a last second field goal, real back and forth. It seemed a little bit like that um, Colts at the Colts game where Willie makes that stop on the goal line. Yeah. Very similar game. Because because there was a lot of like um, similar storylines too where the Patriots actually had trouble stopping the run in this game. Mm. Um, yeah, Edron James was a beast in this game. Yeah, I, I think one of the – one of, yeah, the, the Colts' first touchdown drive was just nine straight runs. 
And that's all they, they did was just run 102 yards. Yeah. Yeah, I think Edgar and James finished like 140-something, right? On 30 carries. Yeah, 30 carries for 142. And, you know, not really what you're expecting. And then Manning started getting his play action going. So now both these teams are going back and forth. Yeah. And it was just like answering all, all over the place. Like the Pages start off with um, that five-wide drive all the way down, and then they kick a field goal. Um, Indianapolis gets stuffed on third and one, but then there's like a defensive penalty. Bullshit. Um, that was but a, then, yeah, Vince Wilfork stuff on that third and one too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because they had Vince Wilfork and they still had, was it Keith trailer? I think it was. Yeah. They had, they, they went out and signed a bunch of fat boys and drafted the best fat yeah. boy in the draft and then give up 202 yards. You know, <laughs> they couldn't stop the fucking run what yeah. need to do. Yeah. Um, but they were still doing, um, red zone turnovers in this game, the Patriots defense and the Colts. Three offense. of them. Yeah. So there was a brewski goal line interception on the Colts first drive. Yeah, catch. That was an awesome catch. It was, yeah, so, it was like one of his typical, like, like he's not really covering the guy across the middle. He just kind of like drops back and kind of like is watching Manning's eyes and then does that like dive to his sideways, almost like he's a, a soccer goalkeeper diving to make a, like a stop and somehow managed to catch that football. You need to put that as a highlight on the website, Andy. Otherwise, oh, it will be. Yeah. Site down. I've got it. I've got it cut and it's ready to go. All right. Um, and then, yeah, so it was just back and forth, back and forth. Uh, I thought in this game, one thing that stuck out to me was Tom Brady's pocket presence because he's finally, it feels like growing into that because I remember watching like 2001, 2002. There were some times where he just made like, very unbrady like mistakes where he didn't feel pressure or he felt pressure and it wasn't there. But now it's just like, it seems like this is where his mastery of it started to come in. That's just like you take for granted nowadays. Just like he just, he doesn't get sacked because he just knows he's able to feel that pressure. And there's some plays yeah, just like Mac Jones. I know. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see. <laughs> but there was like one play where the pages were backed up in their own end zone after one of these red zone turnovers by the Colts that one where uh, Vince Wolford recovers a fumble yeah and, and it was like uh third and 11 or something like that and, and he's in his own end zone passing it has to wait for the play to develop and sidesteps like two rushing defenders like cool as a cucumber and has, has no issue doing it still keeping his eyes outfield then throws the perfect bomb to I think it was uh Gibbons that time my boy had a good game yeah but there was, yeah, it was just like back and forth. Like the, the Colts score a touchdown on that nine straight runs. Brady comes right back. Oh, Dylan had a huge run after that to answer. And then Brady throws a touchdown to Branch. And then the Colts drive straight back down with a huge play on their first play to Dallas Clark. And then um, Manning throws a touchdown to Harrison. And the Patriots have like, you know, less than two minutes left. And they drive down and manage to get a, a Vinatieri field goal to end the half. So. It was just like back and forth the entire time. Definitely worth watching. Yep. Wicked entertaining. Yeah. And there was like some great like Colts moments that I remember where they would make a, a really great play and then fuck it up the next one. You know what was really missing though? What? Some solid Manning face. There wasn't a ton. There You're absolutely one. right. Yeah. There was the time where uh, after that first interception he threw on the goal line on the first drive, the commentator was talking about like he went to the sideline and didn't take his helmet off. He just stood there waiting to go back in. 
<laughs> like, and I love it. So it's such like a petulant child thing to do. It's yeah. great. <laughs> uh, and then the fourth quarter alone a roller coaster. It was all over the place. Patriots go into the fourth quarter up 27, 17, up, up 10. Which is Brady. never safe. You know that with Manning. Right. And that's the thing. And this is, this is that knows. fear that I, I was actually talking to mom recently and she was listening to that, that Colts game that we talked about last time. And she's like that. That's the piece that I remember is the feeling of it's not enough yet. Like, yes, we're up 10 and we're going to the fourth quarter, but we, we need to be up more because the, Peyton Manning was a scary offense. And it, you know what? Tom Brady has struck that fear in many people's hearts as well. I think so too. It's similar to like the way you were feeling in the AFC championship game against Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, they didn't score in the first half and that's great, but like, this isn't going to last. Yeah. yeah. And it fucking did. They put up 31. Right. And this was very similar. Like you're up 10, you're going into the fourth quarter. Didn't feel safe. Um, And then this is where you started to see the, the soft uh, defensive holding calls. That you know the league's just trying to prove to the Colts that oh yeah look we're calling it for real now okay buddy mm-hmm. I don't know so th- that first Tom drive through an interception Dion Branch muffs a punt well wait before that it, uncovered before that though before that like the the like at the beginning of the fourth quarter the Colts score a touchdown so it's twenty seven twenty four so it's a three point game now yeah and then the next drive. Brady throws his first interception in Jesus. I have it here. Um, 88. Some of that. Yeah. yeah it's not loading. Um, yeah. It was like, uh, I think it was 288. Yeah. Because he came into the game with the most consecutive passes at home without an interception at 263. Tied with Mark Burnell, which might be why Burnell is such a baby about things. But yeah. Ended at 288. Yeah. There it is. In the fourth quarter right after the Colts just scored a touchdown to bring it within three. And then Patriots defense holds uh, and the Colts have to punt. But because Troy Brown is inactive for this game, as was Kevin Falk, by the way, which I think uh, Madden was hypothesizing. That's why the Patriots kept going like five wide for a drive was basically just give um, Corey Dillon a spell because they didn't have another running back. It was Corey Dillon and Patrick passed the fullback, and that was it. So it makes sense. <clears throat> so no Troy Brown. So Dion Branch is back there returning punts, and he muffs it. And the Colts recover at the pass 33. And uh, and then a couple plays later, uh, Asante Samuels called for pass interference in the end zone. Clear pass interference, yes. Yeah, I, I he didn't look back Ooh. for the ball. What? What's that, Andy? It was... Was that a clear pass interference? I don't think it was clear, but I understand why. What do you mean? It. He like he like had his hand holding down the other guy's arm. No, he had his hand arm. in his face. It was and like he face wasn't guarding. looking back for the ball. He looked back eventually. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> after the ball hit the guy in the face because he yeah. held down his arm. Okay. God, you're ridiculous. <laughs> you're ridiculous. Thought you were a fan yes, of this football team. The pass interference in the end zone. Pass interference in the end zone. And this is the point where I paused the game and went back to pro football reference and said, what was the score of this game? Oh, it ends 27-24, even though the Colts have it first and goal from the one with like five minutes left. Mm-hmm. Like, What the fuck is going on? Literally the next play. This is what I'm talking about. Literally the next play. Um, handoff to Edgar and James up the middle. 
and he gets absolutely walloped by, I think it was Eugene it and was. Vince Wilfork. And the it ball pops straight Will down, Will and Wilfork just falls on it. Yeah, Eugene set him up, and or Wilfork set him up. Eugene came hammering. crushed Eugene him. had some big hits in this game, too. He and did. That guy was a hitter. I, yeah. Rewatching all these games, I can see why Greg bought a Eugene Wilson jersey. He was, <laughs> he was laying a lumber. I mean, Eugene, with that whole defensive backfield, definitely learned from the Ryan. king of yeah. heavy hits. And they're even talking about Ronnie Harrison about yeah. the the broadcast tried to find out if he was the most fined person in the, the league. And the league basically wouldn't give out those numbers. Like, we're not going to yeah. tell you. Which means yes. Yeah. And so they tried to look it up. And he was like, uh, it was like over $100,000 worth of fines. And they asked him about it. He's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm just going to play my game. And if they don't like it, they can go screw. <laughs> I like that's So uh, that was Michelle Tafoya basically translating what was obviously a, um, uh, a swear laced um, actual Rodney comment from Rodney. Yeah. yeah. She was like, he does. He just, he just doesn't even care. I'm like, that's not what he said. He said he doesn't give a fuck, <laughs> but yeah. And, and I think that set the tone for this defense because they all came out hitting like that. But they, they, there was definitely a few times where teammates had to pull Rodney Harrison off of a referee, <laughs> like drag him away. But yeah, so the Patriots get the ball on the one yard line. This is where Brady gets that big third down pass yeah. from the end zone. Um, But they don't do anything with it. Not even Colts that. Get the ball they almost fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. Brady gets like, stripped. Like, like, let's call a timeout with like two minutes and eight seconds left yeah so like you run the ball right or take nope. it down to eight seconds or whatever now we try a pass play yeah they get least off the edge strip sack brady and Corey Dillon falls Corey on the Dillon jumps on it right yeah. at the two man like luckily since the ball's goddamn bouncing around back there and everyone's just running around their mm. hair on fire it got all the way to two minute warning but yeah. god it could have been a disaster because the colts had no timeouts too right yeah it was yeah, it was nuts um and then so the Pages punt, Indy starts their own 35 and literally first play, this huge play to Stokely. Dude, no so like, yeah, right down the center of the field. He's got a free run. It runs all the way down to the 18-yard line. So it's first and 10 from the 18 with still like over like probably about a minute and a half left, I think, give or take. Um, and they basically can have a couple shots at the end zone. If they don't do it, they can still kick the field goal with a field goal kicker who hit, did not miss a field goal the entire last season, 2003. He hasn't missed since miss. 2002. Yeah. To be fair, the commentators jinxed the fuck out of And they've probably been jinxing him forever, but yeah. they've been jinxing this dude. Oh, he hasn't missed. Oh, he went a whole season yeah. without me. Oh, he's never but missed. Oh, also, who never misses. Yeah, and also, they were, Madden at one point was like, oh, well, you know, they can kick a field goal here with a – uh, a guy who hasn't missed, but his last couple of field goals have looked a bit like ducks. <laughs> like they've been ugly, but they've been getting through. Uh, and so what happens is, um, yeah, it's ball at the 18 Colts, a uh, couple plays, but then on third down, Willie McGinnis comes screaming off the ends edge and sacks Peyton Manning for what felt like a very Drew Bledsoe-esque play. No, I have a great, I have a way better comp. It looks actually very, very similar to the Hightower Atlanta. 
minus the back in the play because he comes off the same edge. Yep. That's and true. he kind of like he starts out wide, takes like a little shuffle step in right before the snap, comes yep. right off the end. And Manning doesn't really see him. And it's the same sort of situation, right? The Atlanta was in field goal range and that pushed mm-hmm. him out the punt range. And yep. they were in easy, easy chip shot chip range. Shot. Yeah. And then he took a big ass sack. And now it's like, ooh, I don't know. It's kind now of like it's a 48 yarder. Yeah. Now it's 48. And like, ooh, that's going to be tougher. Yeah. And Willie road graded Manning here. He oh has, my God. It, it might even been a penalty this day and age. He got him a little high. Yeah. He, I don't know. God, his clothes speeding. Willie's so underrated because oh my god, yes. His closing speed on sacks is awesome. He's such a good edge setter. He yeah. can cover guys coming out the backfield. He he could do it all. And Madden, yeah. another credit to him was just like, dude, this is the guy you want. He can do everything. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it was. It was just like just off the edge, exactly untouched off the edge. And just Manning was waiting, was like looking off to his left, so he didn't even see him coming from his right yeah. until right at the last second. He just managed to tuck the ball down on the replay. You can see Madden or uh, Manning just like catching yeah. out the corner of his eye, and like, oh, shit! Yeah, <laughs> so, like, exactly. his elbow, his shoulder comes up to his ear, and <laughs> just, just, just braces for impact because you know there's nothing else he can do. So, this is the part that I loved, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna call this out now. This is my best for this game. Is apparently. And this is another thing that was like people talked about it, but I couldn't actually find the specific of it. Um, but apparently Mike Vanderjack came out onto the the field for this field goal. And I have the quote here. Uh, where, is it, where, is it, where is it? So he hadn't missed an attempt all last season. And the quote is, uh, this is from ESPN. So confident was Colts kicker Mike Vanderjack that he would make a tying 48-yard field goal with 24 seconds remaining in Thursday night's league opener against the Patriots at Gillette Stadium, and why wouldn't he be? He had only connected on a league record 42 in a row, that he turned towards the Patriots' sideline before setting up for the kick and rubbed a few of his fingers together. For those who don't speak sign language, that's universal for money. (laughs) So he turned to the Patriots' sideline and did the money thing. With his hands, like a money, and then he turns around and fucking shanks the field goal to lose the game. It was not a good kick. And it seemed like it was all in Vanderjack too. He just didn't hit it right. It was bad. Yeah, it just fucking like it came. It looked like it came off clean, and then just kind of like knuckled off to the right. And like, like, it didn't even come out clean. It didn't. It didn't come out like you. You see, kick spinning. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, that's a good. This kind of like a weird like off kilter spin to it. It did, and it was it was a thing of beauty. Like right, he just comes out and does the money thing. <laughs> and misses. That feels like a Greg Brown move. Oh, for sure. <laughs> You're like Kobe and then shoots and then just like misses the table of playing beer pong or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's such a Greg Brown thing. Uh, so I love that. That was that was my best. What do you got for worst? Oh, all right. My worst was um ESPN's new thing that they tried to roll out here or ABC, whoever the fuck it was. Uh, it was called max stats, which is kind of similar. It was like the precursor of what you see now where they have like, Oh, this ball traveled like 78 yards in the air and the gen stats. Yeah, exactly. The running back got up to 32.7 miles an hour, top speed. This one was, uh, how fast was a ball thrown? And it was, so they, they use one of Manning's touchdowns where he gunned it in. He's like, that ball, Manning's touchdown was 55 miles an hour. And then, like that part, fine, great. Like, 
but we're going to translate that into a baseball pitch. If that were a baseball, it would have, it would have been an 83 mile an hour pitch. And John Madden's like, that's not very fast. Yeah, I would have mashed. <laughs> it would have mashed that out of the stadium. <laughs> if that was a fastball, like that. <laughs> a meatball, just like see it's a like, lighter. Maybe they'll throw it faster. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady definitely will. Like, oh Jesus. Yeah. So funny. not great. Um, so yeah, that, that was probably my worst. What about you? Uh you know, I have a worst, and the worst is it keeps carrying over from last year. Oh boy. We still won the Super Bowl despite the absolute atrocious red zone offense. Yeah. First time they get inside, they get inside the Colts 10. They're in their first and first and goal from the 10. And on fourth and goal, they kick a field goal from the 11. Yeah. Because like they scroll a four-yard pass, and then Tom Brady takes a delay a game. Right, exactly. God. Yeah. Just drive killer, you know? Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Uh, my best. Yeah, I got two. Okay. I'll give you a light one. Did you see the, the Tom Brady? What's your favorite? This and that I have it. I have the clip. I was just going to play that actually. Yeah. Let me, uh, let's hit this. Let me fire this up real quick. (laughs) My my best part is you can't really see it because it was a podcast, but his beard. Yeah. I'll see if I can post this bearded Brady. Yeah, it was like five o'clock shadow, but it wasn't even like no. A it's like a, it's like a legitimate beard. He definitely did this yeah. in the offseason because this is like a this yeah, is the yeah, most yeah. beard. Up. I don't even know Brady could grow this sort of facial hair. I think that's fair. So here it is. This is the, like a just like a little one-off. They did it. It comes in a ball cap, break. a regular jersey, yeah. and like a. Like a- the one word that defines me is persistence. I'd love to meet Bill Gates. <laughs> My favorite food is chicken wings, teriyaki. I am a horrible, horrible cook. My favorite movie line from Scarface. Say goodnight, little bad guy, because you ain't going to see a bad guy like this again. (laughs) (laughs) That laugh. So bad. The beard. Yeah. No, the the laugh. Here we go. Again. (laughs) (laughs) So awkward. Wait, say me do the Scarface line again. Scarface, take a nice little bad guy, because you ain't going to see a bad guy like this again. <laughs> it's so bad. It's such a goober. I, I mean, like, because, like, right now he has, like, a very intentionally crafted public image. Yes. And that is entirely contrasted. That ain't it. Yeah. yeah. It's he's so he's got, fucking, he's got this the biggest beard I've ever seen Brady ever have. That's true. Yeah. And, but, and like and in between and his hat, he's got like a baseball cap on, but it's like it's just slightly crooked too. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to do like that cool thing where people like be cool. turn their caps a little bit sideways, but he didn't do it enough. So it's just like your 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 hat's not on straight, dude. And then like in between each of those cuts, which you can't see because it's an audio medium. But they like cut to like a picture of like a video of him on a billboard or something, and he's doing finger guns to yeah, each one with his stupid fucking smile. <sighs> it's we'll definitely have to post that. Because I mean, it's, it's just, the best part is how dichotomous it is to like where he's currently at. You know? Yeah, yeah. 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 What's your favorite food? Chicken wings, teriyaki. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible. Cook. Yeah, no, chicken wing is nice. Ten years. Yeah. Oh my god. And then the other, I have another clip since we're we're here, and it was um, before the game. Uh, who was the sideline reporter? I already said it. Michelle Tafoya. 
was talking to Bill Belichick about the uh, the jamming the wide receivers. Oh yeah, and the this new rule. Al, you could say Bill Belichick's passion for football is reflected in his friend John Bon Jovi's song, It's My Life. The son of a college coach began his own career in pro football 30 years ago. Now entering the prime of his NFL life, the 52-year-old Belichick tries to become the first coach ever to win three Super Bowls in a four-year span. I'm joined now by Bill Belichick. Coach, how is this team different from the one that tried to repeat as Super Bowl champions two years ago? Well, I think we're a little younger, number one, and um, a little more experienced at quarterback. But, uh, you know, a lot of some of the same things are there, some of the same guys are there, but there's some new ones too. But I think we're a little younger. Such a a lot has been made in the preseason of the rules emphasis on illegal defense. Many people think that might be a result of the way your defensive backs played the Colts wide receivers in the AFC championship game. How will the rules emphasis affect the way your defense plays? Well, there's been no change in the rules. It's the same rule. You can't jam them after five yards, and you're okay before five. So, you know, that's the way we coached it before. That's the way we're coaching it now. Coach, thanks. Good luck. Okay, thanks, Michelle. <laughs> he's just, Powell's nodding his head. He's Yeah, he's just the fucking master class at not answering a question. And it's it's perfect. All right, you want to hear my best best? Yeah, give me your best best. I'm surprised you didn't bring this up. There's the stat where Patriots haven't had more than four yards per carry in a season yes. for 18 years. What's, I mean, that's including 2003 season. I don't know how it go. What's 2003 minus 18, Andy? Yeah, sure. It's a long time. 76. I don't know. I'm like that. Yeah. In the seventies. Yeah. Back when the Patriots rushed for 2000 yards, we get Corey Dillon. What do you think we got this year? Uh, I think it's probably over four yards. 4.1, baby. Oh, baby, just got there. Yeah. Corey <laughs> Dillon. I mean, again, I think people under, you know, value his, uh, you know, value to this team. And he's awesome and changing that whole running game. And, you know, Antoine Smith was just, they just kind of got by with him last year where mm-hmm. Corey Dillon adds a whole new dimension to this offense. There's a play where he gets a uh, pass protection thing too. And yes. John Madden's calling this out where, Corey Dillon gets this guy coming off the edge. He's free. They run a stunt and he gets the dude, cuts him under. And by cutting him under, he gets the guy coming around him too. So he gets a two for one yeah, he did. from Corey Dillon on that. And Tom Brady yeah. puts a strike on the play. So yeah, that was a great call. Corey Dillon's impact on the team felt a right off game one and B all year. Yeah. For the first time in 18 years. Yeah. Also, uh, if we're going to talk about stuff that I thought you would bring up, so I didn't, um, the Patriots have a new punter. Didn't even notice. No more Ken Walter, babe. It's uh, Josh Miller from Pittsburgh. And he yeah. hit his first punt like 58 yards and the crowd gave him a standing O, but then he got called back for holding. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to do yeah. it again. The fact that I didn't notice means that's a huge improvement. Good thing, yeah. Um, oh, here's another worst. Uh, the reason Kevin Falk wasn't there was because his mom had passed away recently, and so he oh, had taken time off to deal with that. So hopefully we'll see him back. I'm wearing my my uh, Kevin Falk jersey for for him in remembrance of his mom. What a good guy, Andy. Hell yeah. You got to do it, man. Uh, all right. Should, oh, since Greg left, should we do best and worst for him? Uh, I mean, I guess. Greg's worst is Ty Law because <laughs> the man just can't stay healthy and is just like on and off the field, and he got beat for the uh, – the last touchdown by Brandon fucking Stokely. Yeah. Just fucking, yeah. Greg would never say it's his worst, but okay. Well, we're saying it for him. That's why. 
because he's not here. And he's Greg's not. best is Bill Belichick coming out after halftime saying uh, he's unhappy with the play in the first half, but he's not making any adjustments. <laughs> it's like the team's just got to fucking play better. <laughs> I don't know. Be better. Yeah. Hey, you know what we're going to change up? Not fucking sucking this half. How about that? Go out and do your job like Let's I fucking told there. you to. <laughs> Love it. Uh, beautiful. All right. I think that, that pretty much covers this game. We've we've covered the fucking gamut tonight, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, don't forget, post a review of the podcast. It can be good. It can be bad. We don't really care. We just want some feedback. Um, and that will enter you in the running for a subscription to The Athletic. Year long. Yeah. But don't forget to, to text the, the hotline to let us know that it's you. Otherwise, we won't be able to reach out to you and let you know you won. So, and uh, I would say mom doesn't count, but she's not a big online review lady. Yeah, I don't, I don't think she, I mean, if she can figure out how to relieve, leave a review, then she's That's in the right. run at this point. Yeah, mom <laughs> would probably love the athletic. Yeah, she probably would. So, yeah, uh, don't forget to text us, Dynasty Hotline 603 505 8043. Hopefully, we'll hear from you soon. Uh, and until next time, we will see you later. Hey, Elena. Hey, Elena.